We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. New year, same dysfunction with the Cleveland Browns. One of the more intriguing situations open in the NFL. It's a football Thursday here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. Get yourself a new NFL head coach on ZipRecruiter. NFL organizations got to use ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut, Ross Tucker's in Pennsylvania. Daryl Ryder all over the Cleveland Browns situation. 92-3, the fan in Cleveland. Catch them anytime on the radio.com app. Daryl, what a mess. Happy New Year. Is it the same dysfunctional Cleveland Browns organization, though? Uh, Same dysfunction with a twist. Uh, They didn't want to blow this thing completely up, but uh, John Dorsey really left them no choice when uh, he did not want to take a bit of a reduced role in the football operations, most notably with this coaching search. You know, they let they put everything in his hands last offseason and he got them Freddie Kitchens. And so the Haslam's did not want to go through that same process again and end up with another Kitchens like coach. And since uh, Dorsey didn't want to uh, take the step back that they would have liked him to, uh, both sides decided to to move on. So here we are. The Browns not only looking for a head coach, but they're also looking for the next GM. Yeah, I guess, though, I, I would say on some level, I understand why he wanted to keep either Greg Williams or Freddie Kitchens to continue what they were doing last year. I think that that made some sense. I didn't blame him for that. I felt like he had done enough that I would give him the opportunity to, to really, for the first time, hire his own head coach. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I understood why Dorsey went with Kitchens last year, but the, the, the problem was that it did not take long this year to figure out that Freddie Kitchens was not the guy and he was in over his head. Um Early in the season, Brown's ownership became quickly frustrated with Kitchens. Obviously, the losses piled up. They started two and six. Uh, they lost a couple of key games early uh, on national television, in which just Kitchens had all kinds of brain cramps, mismanagement. The lack of discipline was obviously uh, apparent. The, the disorganization leading up to games was uh, apparent behind the scenes, even though the Browns tried to put on the happy face and make like everything is going uh, perfectly fine. So, you know, the the fact of the matter is, is that, uh, you know, uh, John Dorsey blew it. Let's be very frank on it. He blew the coaching search last year, and the Haslam's just were not going to allow him to blow another coaching search. Paul DiBodesta, their chief strategy officer, came to the team in 2016 when they put together that Sashi Brown analytics-heavy front office. Uh, He is now going to assist the Haslam's in cultivating all these candidates, uh, interviewing them, and then ultimately the Haslam's will be the ones to make that final call who the next head coach will be. And then the next head coach will pick who the general manager will be. And, uh, you know, here we go again with yet another uh, new structure uh, for the Browns organization as they try and figure out how to keep people working together. 
Daryl Ryder, 92.3, the fan in Cleveland with it says another because this will be the 12th coach since 1999 hired by the Browns, the fourth in eight seasons in the full-time capacity under Haslam. What a mess. And Daryl, you tweeted out that there are seven legit candidates. Starts today with interviewing Mike McCarthy, the former Packers head man. Give me your power rankings. Three guys you think are most likely to land in Cleveland next season. Well, I think it is a three-man race, even though they're uh... The list is at seven, and I I think Josh McDaniels is number one. Uh, Number two, I have put Kevin Stefanski, the offensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings. That was Dee Podesta's pick last January. That's why I have him number two, because Dee Podesta is heavily involved in this thing. And then number three, I have McCarthy. Um, You know, uh, Greg Roman is interesting because of what he did with Lamar Jackson in that Baltimore Raven offense. I think John Harbaugh obviously had a tremendous input on that as well. If anything, that's a data data mining exploration process there because the Ravens are a division rival. Robert Salah, uh, the defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers, don't forget he helped the Browns to just three points. Uh, in their meeting uh, last season uh, in early October out in San Francisco. Uh, The two 49er assistants that have been uh, brought up, I'm hearing that those guys aren't necessarily coaching candidates, but they could possibly join Salah in Cleveland if ultimately he ends up being the guy. I don't think that Brian Dayball really is a a serious candidate, even though they've requested to interview him. Of course, Dayball was the Browns offensive coordinator under Eric Mangini in 2009 and 2010. And then Eric bien whom I thought the Browns would talk to last year, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, um, they will talk, or at least they have requested to speak with him this time around. Let's talk, Daryl, about Paul DePodesta. It's my understanding he lives in San Diego How's that going over in Cleveland that a guy that lives in San Diego is the one heading up the coaching search? Well, it, it is interesting. I will say this. Uh, I do see Paul DePodesta at all the games. He, he commutes uh, to all the games. Uh, he is a, he ha- From what I have been told, he has been available to the organization 24-7, 365, either by phone or by uh, video conference. Uh, I would think, though, if his role in the front office does expand and, you know, there is a narrative out there that all of a sudden Paul DiBodesta might weasel his way into maybe running the entire football operation. I have been told that is not the case. He is just helping lead the, the, the search and assist the Haslam's and picking who they believe to be the right guy. He wanted Stefanski uh, last year. Um he wanted Sean McDermott in 2006 instead of Hugh Jackson. Of course, Sean McDermott has gone on to lead the Buffalo Bills to two playoff berths in the last couple of years here. So that's a nice little I told you so feather in Dee Podesta's cap. Um, but again, I, I want to stress he's not taking over the football operation. You know, when Dee Podesta came to the Browns, uh, I, I remember him from the early 90s. He was an intern in the Indians front office. That's kind of where he got his start in Major League Baseball. Everywhere he went in Major League Baseball, his teams made the playoffs. And his reputation was one of a an organization builder. And what I mean by that, he was the guy that came in and set up the processes, set up the organizational structures, 
you know, from a leadership standpoint, quality of person standpoint, character, all those type of things. You know, what type of people do we want working for us? You know, setting up scouting departments. Okay, how do we scout our players? The data we use. How do we mine that data? How do we apply that data? So he's a he's a very intellectual person. And so uh, while he's not going to be running the football operation, I do see some value there for the Haslam's and having a person like that around. And of course, he's had a semi front row seat to the last two uh, regimes and why they did not work. And he'll be looking to avoid that happening for a third time, at least under his watch as chief strategy officer. Talking to Daryl Ryder, 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland about the intriguing Browns coaching search. Bruce Feldman, Fox Sports, tweeting a short time ago that he's hearing the Browns have strong interest in old friend Urban Meyer. Any truth to that rumor? I I think it's entirely possible. I had heard that the Haslam's had talked to Urban Meyer directly or Meyer's camp. Uh, whether that was just to pick his brain on this impending coaching search or not, that I've not been able to clarify. If they were interested in him legitimately, as Feldman's reporting, it would not be a surprise to me. And again, this fits with this organizational structure and how they're going about this search. Meyer would absolutely want to call his own shots if he took this thing over. I have concerns certainly about his health. Uh, We talked about Josh McDaniels, similar situation if Josh McDaniels gets hired. uh, I've heard Nick Casario, one of the player personnel men for the Patriots, would be uh, one of the guys he would consider to head up the personnel department and be the GM or whatever fancy title they'd want to give him. That's the dance the Haslam's are doing with this coaching search. They are going to allow the head coach to pick who the lead man or lead men are in the personnel department. I think that's a dangerous way to build an organization, but the Browns are desperate to get their guy, and so that's why they're going to do it this way. So that being the case, Daryl, why do you think Matt Rule turned them down for an interview? Because is it just he's got that little faith in ownership? Because I thought that was a real bad look that Rule's evidently willing to – interview in Carolina and with the Giants, but said no to the Browns. Well, let, let's be uh, frank here. Uh, it wouldn't be a Browns head coaching search if the Brown, if someone didn't turn the Browns down for an interview. Like that, that happens every year. They do this. So um, I, I, I think that Rule wants to be on the East Coast. I believe he's a New York guy too. So if he's going to come to the NFL, why not come, you know, go you know, close to home as opposed to the most volatile space or uh, city in the National Football League, and that is Cleveland, Ohio. He loves it at Baylor. He's done a great job turning that program around. Everywhere he's gone, he's turned their programs around. I know it, it comes off as a bad look. It's it To me, I would be more concerned if we went through the list of uh, potential candidates and three or four guys just said thanks but no thanks to the Browns when it comes to the interviews. Right now, it's just rule. Uh, so I'm not going to get all excited or upset about that. But I think that, uh, again, the volatility of the Browns combined with the, you know, it being Cleveland, Ohio, and, and not close to where he grew up on the East Coast, uh, you know, being some of the factors that he has, uh, you know, put in place if he is to leave Baylor, you know, those are the, the criteria he's looking to hit. And the Browns just don't meet that. So, Daryl, based on Odell and Landry and Baker and how they conduct themselves, I, I thought Ron Rivera 
would have been perfect in terms of the adult in the room, change the culture. Were, were they into him? Not really, from what I understand. And you and I see eye to eye on that because the day the Carolina Panthers fired Ron Rivera and it was confirmed the very next day when he, which I had never seen this, a head coach that has been fired has gone back in the building to say goodbye to everybody and also have his own hey, I've just been fired press conference uh, with the local media in the team building. I had never seen that before, but that spoke volumes to me. Like you said, the adult in the room, well-respected, disciplined guy, well-organized, all the things that Freddie Kitchens was not, Ron Rivera is. And I, too, felt he would have been a perfect guy to come in. I don't think he's a power-hungry guy, so he could have fit with John Dorsey. He was my anti-blow-it-up guy, and uh, where he could just come in, get whip everybody in the shape. The Browns would win a bunch of games. John Dorsey would stay. Everybody would be happy, and we could just move on with just a simple coaching change. Well, the Browns being the Browns, you know, they wanted to do things differently. John Dorsey didn't like the way things were going to be done differently. So he said goodbye, and here we are. They had to end up blowing the whole thing up. Daryl Ryder with us, 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland on the Browns coaching search, but also what an intriguing mix of talent, personalities, and attitudes they have there in Cleveland. What's your biggest question in terms of the personnel coming back next season, and do you believe Odell Beckham Jr. is with the Browns next season? Uh, I, I do think that he's with the Browns next season. Uh, I have been told, because this is always – this is always a concern. Anytime you bring in a new coach and a new GM and uh, goes in the NFL, the roster gets blown up. Well, I have been told that the Browns do not want that to happen here, that they feel like they have a solid foundation and core in place that Dorsey has built, and they would like to uh, bo- uh, build upon what was built here. So they don't want the next GM to come in and trade Odell or trade Jarvis or trade Baker and just completely blow the roster up. That might come the next time they do this uh, in one or two or three years. My money's on two years because that's about what they average. So in 2022, we will be having the same conversation. Um, so, I, I, you know, they have a lot of needs. They got to fix the offensive line. They need tight ends. Uh, they need safeties. They need linebackers. They could probably use another defensive lineman. So, you know, Dorsey didn't build the perfect roster here. There's no question about it, but he built a roster that was capable of winning and that was capable of getting to the playoffs. And that is why Freddie Kitchens got fired because he was so disorganized. It was just a, a three ring circus when I've been told during the week leading up to game days uh, and Jarvis Landry, give him credit. Like he was very frank in his exit interview with us uh, earlier this week when he just basically said, you know what? It was all focused on plays and not players. And that was a problem. You know, we went into games, not taking advantage of the weaknesses of our opponents. We went into games, not knowing what the heck our plan was. And that's why just everything was, you know, went awry. So, um, you know, they, ha- they still have the talent to win. And the next head coach that comes in, if they're going to be the kingmaker, if you will, and get to pick their, their personnel guy or their GM, they're going to be expected to, to produce results right away. Uh, and they're not going to be expected to blow the, the roster up. So it, I, I'm very interested to see how this plays out as we uh, you know, go through this process. And ultimately, the Haslam's pick, I believe, their fifth full-time head coach since buying this team in 2012. 
My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.